Welcome to the Exchange Podcast. It's so good to have all of you with us again. Uh, we are broadcasting to the throng, to our beloved followers. Uh, I have with me, of course, my brothers in arms, Josh Pinnell and Daniel Lopez. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing well, Alex. I just wanted to take this opportunity to uh, tell you first, because you always ask Daniel first. Mm-hmm. So, doing mm-hmm. well. Thanks for asking both of us, and thanks for listening to me. I just came off parenting class at... Sovereign Grace Pastors College. So if you have any parenting questions, I'm now your resident expert <clears throat> because I've had a two credit hour class on the topic. Okay, I got a question. Dude, just straight up, dude. Straight <laughs> up. My son informed us that the reason he watches Disney movies is because they have, and I'm quoting, pretty girls in them. <laughs> what am I to what am I to do with this right now? I may even be able to answer this from experience, Alex. Well, with a mustache like that, Daniel, <laughs> my guess is that things are going pretty well. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a tough case. Next week, we've got Ecclesiology. Okay, no dude, answer? you can't run away from that. that. You have the answer. <laughs> dude, I have no clue. You, I have no clue. You're like, my answer is to keep Elam as far from Lily as possible. That's my <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> Yeah, so next week we have Ecclesiology coming up with uh, Mickey Conley, who is our regional regional leader. Then after that, we got the Pastors Conference down in Orlando. Oh, we're speaking of Disney. Yep, so we're going to get to go down to Orlando. Uh, my wife and I are going to go a couple days before, stay a couple days late, spend some spend some time in the big Daniel, Orlando. Daniel, how are you doing, buddy? Excellent, Alex. Has your mustache gained consciousness of its own yet? It hasn't spoken to me, but it is getting thicker. So I actually, I watched this video on YouTube on how to grow a mustache. The guy says, if you want a real mustache, you have to grow it for like six months to a year, and then you can trim it. He's like, it's going to be gross and nasty, but if you're a real man, then you're going to stick it through. You're going to... I'm going to try, man. I don't know that I can do it, but I'm going to try. I think you're there, dude. I don't think you need six months. No, man. I want like those big... Oh, well, I don't think it looks gross. I think it looks good now. I think think your time of testing is over. I think you can enjoy... The way it looks now, and, and with with hopeful expectations to looking better in the future. Yeah, I'd say so too. Greg Dietrich told me with my beard to go for three months. Yeah, three months without, without touching it. Three months, and that's what I did. Now I was single uh, during that time, uh, so that made it a little bit easier. But yeah, I would say I mean six months to a year—that's a long time, man. I went three months, and my beard seemed just fine. My mustache, like on my beard, I want to just make it clear that I do not have a mustache. I have a beard with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> my mustache on my beard took longer to come in full than the rest of my beard. Dude, we got any topics today? I got it. I've got to take off pretty quick. Dude, right the here. story. Music's on my mind, man, and not money, Daniel. I don't have money on my mm, mind. Like the reference. Appreciate Josh, that. Josh, you had a story about a song you heard. Let's hear it. <clears throat> oh, sure, man. Yeah, I can tell you that story. So uh, I was on the way to get some Qdoba, mm. some Qdoba last night uh, mm. for my fam. Mm. Me and Lily were driving in the car. We're going to bring it back. I heard, I, I decided to listen to the Christian radio station, which I do once every blue moon, and every time I pretty much regret it. I turned it on and I heard a song that while it wasn't, you know, the best, I did think this is getting better. And I'm glad, I'm glad to know that music like this is being played on the radio because it, it is clearly the gospel. It, the name of the song actually is The Gospel by Ryan Stevenson. And the last verse is, In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross. In a moment, my eyes were opened. In a moment, my heart was changed. Like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel. And I was like, that is more solid than most. Mu- it's not like it's not perfect, 
Like, it is still a little bit of, like, implicit meaning versus explicit meaning, which is more common on Christian radio. However, you know what? I felt I felt like this is a step in the right direction. Like, there's some good theology behind those lyrics, mm. I think. Uh, have you guys heard this song, or do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. about it? I haven't heard it. I have not. Um, but it might be the single greatest argument for post-millennialism that there is. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that without hearing it. <laughs> Uh, hey, have you guys ever heard the Brilliance? Yeah, they're very good songwriters. I like very them. Good, yeah, very poetic uh, lyricists. I like them a lot. The Brilliance. I want to write down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're coming to Greer. Yeah, with oh, John cool. Mark McMillan, I think. That's awesome. I thought it was gonna be like a like typical CCM Christian radio. Uh... <laughs> He's like, guys, I think Chris Tomlin got saved. <laughs> I heard a really good song by him. So like some like the bridge is a little weird. It's so can we get back to the altar to the arms of our first love? There's only mm. one way to the Father, and He's calling out to us. Oh, that sounds like, like a solid uh, 1998 CCM song. Yeah, exactly. I was it, at that. I was like, okay, a little little weak. Like, be creative. The chorus is a little weak too. Like, but it does have it does have some good ideas behind it. I would just encourage that I felt like there was some progress being made. It's a slow process. <laughs> it's a slow process. Actually, I was asking, um, so Bob Coughlin's one of our pastors at our church, and I was asking him why they're not, why I can't turn on the Christian radio station and hear, like, Let Your Kingdom Come or Oh Great God of Highest Heaven and stuff like that. A, it takes too much time and you spend too much money trying to get it on the radio. And the kind of people who get the music for their church off of the radio station aren't looking for their music yeah and so if they heard if they heard sovereign grace they they probably wouldn't be playing it on Hmm. at their church anyway i don't i was like oh okay i don't know about that man like i I think you're contradicting bob coughlin right now right and i think you know if i were to sit down (laughs) with bob and just kind of explain to him you know like hey man listen there are people who want solid songs and legitimately don't know where to turn so they turn to the radio I think that is true, yeah. But uh, and that's where I think his first point was the one that he was making stronger than the second was that they're a small company and they just don't have time or money to do it. Oh right, yeah, I'm not saying Sovereign Grace go on the radio by any means, but I'm saying that it would be cool to see Sovereign Grace figure out a way to like market better and get their it would, get their CDs in the hands of pastors who. Yeah, but there's a way in which it's the radio's responsibility, though it's not the artist's responsibility responsibility to get their music on there. Well, it's pretty it's pretty uncommon for an uh, for an artist to just for a song to just get discovered by a radio station. Like it's happened before, but for the most part, it takes a lot of time and money for the artist to push this song getting on the radio station, not the other yeah. way around. To, just to be Sorry. just to just to reiterate and to be clear, I'm not advising that Sarah Grace put their songs on the radio. But it would be cool to see. You know, I'm telling you this, Josh, because you're you're pretty close to the situation, dude. You're pretty high up there. You got <laughs> not high up. No, no, I'm just you know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not oh, trying to bad on you. I'm just calling it like I see it, all right. And I'm just uh, saying it would be cool if we could figure out a way to get the CDs of Sovereign Grace into the hands of pastors who may not know about these songs, dude. We're I'm not pushing say, you. So they were they were just at the Sing conference with the Gettys, and um, I think Brittany, who's um, Bob's daughter, she's in charge of like marketing and stuff like that. Um, she was saying that about a third of the people she talks to at conferences have never heard of Sovereign Grace music. Yes, I'm telling you, it, it's very, it's not as known as it should be. And and this is not their fault. So I'm not I'm not saying this is their fault. But people hear Sovereign Grace, they think charismatic in a bad way, and they write it off. And that's not Sovereign Grace's fault. 
but that happens. And it's a, it's a shame because I think people who are writing the best songs today for Christian worship and Christian music is Sovereign Grace. Dude, I have to say, Sovereign Grace and the Gettys, both charismatics, writing the best music coming out right now. The best of worship leaders are generally charismatic. Let's just be honest about that. There's a couple bands in the West Coast that are really good, too. I mean, they're not really with Mars Hill anymore, but they're still making music. Mars Hill was continuationist. It's, a, it's almost a prerequisite to be a worship leader <laughs> that, you have to be, that you have to be charismatic, you have to be continuationist. And I think that I think that Bethel Music, North Carolina, they I think yeah, they've made they some have. good songs, These too. These are even lesser known than, than Simon Gray's. And they're, and they're like liberal party of the charismatics, basically. Like, they're, they're crazy. I'm just going to say it. I feel bad saying that, but... Like they bark in the spirit and stuff, man. That's where that's where you get into like Jesus culture, and yes, song. and Jesus culture has some really good songs. But There's dude, they're stuff, man. Yeah, but but the content of their songs, I think a lot well, of their songs a are lot actually of their really songs, good. Though again, it's it's the same thing I was mentioning before, and I think this is true of Hillsong too. Is it's implicit meaning versus explicit meaning. If you don't have a, a solid theology behind your listening to their music, you're gonna have no clue what it's talking about for the most part. There might be one or two exceptions to that. That's true. That's but true. Like, there was a new song that uh, Hillsong just came out with. I think it's called like Oceans. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not. That was like ten years ago, no, wasn't no, it? Was no, no, this is new. It was may, maybe a couple years, but it's pretty. It's pretty new. Oh, okay. I I have no clue what that song is about. <laughs> like, kind of because I have a Christian worldview behind it, but I don't. Well, know what it's about. it's all about audience. So like, they're 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 trying to get yep. on the radio. They're trying to be as popular as possible. Exactly. They write it implicit because it'll reach more people. It's like when someone makes a movie. They're spending so much money into it, spending so much time on it. They want it to be as effective and as reach as many people as possible. Whereas when like people make a Netflix miniseries, it, they're not so worried about. They're just trying to be more like true to the subject material. I mean, I have to disagree a little bit, guys. Um, I think that they're. I think that some people on the team may be that way, but I think the songwriters themselves. I think that they're just being taught by schools where modern songwriting is that way. It's not just Christian songwriters who are writing that way. You know. It's a very, and, and I don't know if that comes from the postmodernist culture, but most songwriters write that way today, regardless of whether they're Christian or not. There's a difference between, like, I, I enjoy Andrew Peterson, I enjoy Rich Mullins. They're both, they're both very difficult to understand lyrically, and you have to work hard to understand their meaning. But they're also not writing to be sung in church. Hillsong is, which is where I think that yes. if you're singing, like, the songs you're singing in church are in a very different category than the songs you just pop on just to listen to and enjoy enjoy the song even though there's ambiguous meaning i don't i don't know man i think people are a little sharper than that i don't think that they need uh, i mean the, the the worship leader is i mean if you want to call him that the music pastor the guy who like stands up there and sings the songs like and leads us in that he's the choir master whatever you want to call him man the, uh, that's what david calls him dude we, i didn't make that up we call we call uh we call them the high priest um i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's so great he has a job to teach theology to the church i just don't know that that's his job man like I don't see biblical criteria for the choir master to teaching one another, teaching one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Mm. That's all I have to say. Yes, that's his job. You're right, man. Uh, can't can't argue with the words of the Lord. I mean, I mean, it was it was in Paul's you know earlier earlier writings, so it's not his best work, you know. But well, you know, that's what Paul says, dude. Like, if Jesus himself did not say something, mm. I mm. I don't know, man. I doubt it. If I I trust those red letters, those red letters. <laughs> yeah, if it's not red, I'm not taking it to bed, man. If it's not red, it's dead. You can you trust it? You can't trust no. it instead. Exactly. That's my conclusion. Alex, why don't you weigh in, man? Um, yeah, man. I, I, I kind of want to just bring it over the the divide, you know, the, the very strong line that we all know exists between secular and sacred. Uh, all The line that we all accept and affirm and say that it's very solid and very biblical and very um, important to have. You know what I mean? I want to bring it across that line for a second and say 
and of course I'm kidding. Everyone should know that I'm joking about the, the line, quote unquote. I want to bring it across that and, and kind of address something that Daniel said with, with secular musicians. Daniel, there are secular musicians who only have money on their mind, okay? To, to quote an earlier quote of a quote that I was quoting earlier, okay? Yes. So they yes. are producing mu- music for business. And this is why I so enjoy the indie genre of music. But I don't think they're mutually exclusive, Alex. No, man. Because, like, okay, yes, they are. Like, you can hear the production seduction thing going on. It was especially in a lot of pop, but but the artists are still very proud people. They still want to make something that is good content. They're not just going to put something out solely on money value. They still want to add some of you themselves watch these into indie it. Bands who are when they re- release the first like one or two or three albums, it's who they actually are, and then you see them get a contract with something, and then they release another album, and you're like, this is different. Now, I mean, artists change over time. I'm not I'm not like trying to deny that. But, like, when it is more implicit and more, like, their message kind of broadens and um, isn't as... It, it just seems as though they really care about how this is going to hit people in a content way and not so much caring about the message, the being as clear as possible with what they're trying to say. Um, and it just isn't music that resonates with me when it's shallow. Okay. I will have to, um, I agree with you, but I also disagree with you because I really don't think that there's one person who's just doing one of that. I think that people are doing both. They want money and they're still working hard to make music they think is good, I mean, dude, in my I, opinion. Can I give, um, I've got to take off pretty quickly here. We have a, uh, after our week-long parenting class, we now have a one-day class on biblical fellowship. Uh, so Very I've got to nice. take off. Okay. But if I could give two recommendations. So these are some Louisville artists. Um, first, Sarah Sparks. Dude, I've sang with her. Yeah, she has a great She's voice. Great. She has she has a good she has a, she plays her instrument well. Um, I feel like especially some of her newer stuff is starting to get a lot better. Um, but I've seen her live and I think she's good. Um, Emmanuel is a church here in Louisville. They just came out with a new uh, album called The Hand of God, that is a series of um, confession psalms that they've uh, written and um and sung as a congregation and it's really good yeah last one is uh dirt poor robins there's a couple members of my church it's not christian dirt music poor but, robins mm-hmm. it's not christian music but they are christians writing and like it's it's a little eclectic but so are they and it's pretty creative i think but they just finished a, a three-act musical that they just released <laughs> the songs for yeah so like this thing started back in 2013 was when they released the first album and they just released uh number number three which is the the finale of it it's only the music they didn't release like the, dude the, uh, that's a different level of music composition right there well it's it's again it's not christian music per se because it's not like gospel lyrics but they are christians writing good music and just want to put their names out there and i i would highly recommend listening to them that's great throng check it out check out those bands check out those songs uh check us out on uh the exchange pod on twitter catch us next week for another episode of the exchange uh, boys, any concluding thoughts? It's been a great conversation on music. Uh, it has. And, um, I've enjoyed I'm, today. Uh, I'm glad we could have it. I'm glad that Throng could listen to it. Um, and as always, good night and good luck.